message from Valley Bible Fellowship. It is our sincere prayer that you're richly blessed through the ministry of the Word. For more information about VBF, visit our website at vbf.org. Now, here's Pastor Ron Bietti. Good morning. We have our next pastor's conference coming up. Another one for the group from Northern California, one San Diego. These guys were from Texas, Arizona, Michigan. And God just laid in our heart the words to mentor pastors. And what a fruitful ministry, man. It is so great. So pray for us as we take on this ministry and start bringing them out. And uh, so fulfilling. Happy Mother's Day, moms. Uh, You know, I was thinking this morning, for a lot of you are single moms. Some of you aren't. Um, Some of you don't have moms. They're dead. And and they want to be with the Lord, or some of you have bad relationships. But today, try to find some mother, even if you don't have one of your own, someone that maybe has been kind of a mother figure to you and love them and reach out to them. My mom, I remember, she's a very godly woman. And when I was younger, I was a little heathen, but you know what? She taught me to pray. Every time I'd get sick with the flu or whatever, I'd say, Mama, pray for me, Mama, pray for me, pray for me, Mama, please. And... Uh, she was a real uh, influence on my life. Uh, when I was a teenager, we bought a little English Ford from somebody. Me and my buddies made a, a beach buggy into it, some kind of little thing, and we'd actually uh, shift two gears on the column and reach down and shift the third gear underneath by the transmission. And we would take off every day up toward the foothills, and my mom would get down and pray. And one day we ran that thing off a cliff. And if you're familiar with the Hart Park area, that car laid there in a gully for almost 15 years that we ran off the cliff. But my mama impressed me. And uh, that's why you women need to know that very often when there's a championship football game on TV or whatever at the end, when they hand these young guys the mic, they don't say anything to dad. They say, hi, mom. Hi, mom. Love you, mom. It's always mom. So you single moms, you can make an impression. You, you married moms, same thing. You're important to us. So... Let's pray and talk. Father God, anoint me today. Anoint me and give me the the energy I need to deliver your message in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Amen. I've I've ministered six times in a week, and I woke up so tired this morning. I'm an old guy, and I was so tired this morning. I just laid on my face and said, God, use me today. Use me, because I've about run out of energy. And he did, thankfully, and he's going to do it again, because he is the anointer. Uh, Today, real briefly, we're going to look at the life of Elijah, and we're going to see several characteristics of a person who walks with God, and these are are going to be keys to living a Christian victorious life. So let's just dive right in this morning. Let's look at 1 Kings 17, verse 1. Now, Elijah the Tishbite, who was of the settlers of Gilead, said to wicked King Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel, lives before whom I stand, There shall not be neither dew nor rain these years except by my word. Now, I want you to see two things at the outset today. First of all, number one is Elisha comes on the scene out of nowhere. As far as we know, he didn't have a college degree, no resume. Uh, You know, he didn't graduate some prestigious 
college, Bible college, God doesn't even bother to tell us where he's from. You know why? Because God doesn't care so much as to where you're from as much as he cares about where you're going. That's what God wants. He wants to see who's available. God has never been impressed with our credentials, and he never will be. Look at James 5, 17, 18, the Amplified Version. Elijah was a human being with a nature just like us, with feelings, affections, and a constitution like ours. And he prayed earnestly for it not to rain, and no rain fell on the earth for three years and six months. And then when he did pray again, the heavens supplied rain, and the land produced its crops as usual. Now, listen to me closely. It says here that Elijah was a man just like us. Don't you love that? See, Elijah wasn't some super saint, some spiritual enigma. It says he was a man just like us, an ordinary man that tapped into the resources of God. That gives us our potential. He was a man who got discouraged. He was a man who got depressed. He was a man that was confused sometimes, but he was a man just like us. One great man of God said years ago, the world has yet to see what God can do with a person who's totally yielded to him. And that man of God said, I want to be that man. There's a book in my library somewhere, and it says, where is the God of Elijah? And then at the bottom it says, it's waiting on an Elijah. See, our God's the same God. He was a man like us. He's just waiting for somebody that believes in him like Elijah believed in him. Now, the second thing I want you to see is Elijah comes on the scene at a time when society was turning to idolatry, turning away from God. Hello, we need some Elijahs today because our society is idolatrous. We have idols. Let me give a working definition of idolatry. It's looking to something other than God to give you what you need in life in order to be happy, fulfilled, and satisfied. If you're looking at anything else beside God to supply that, you're an idolater. That's what the Bible says. Things like careers. I mean, there are people today that just know, if I could get into this career, if I could make this kind of money, if I could have this Hollywood influence, man, I'd have it made. Why don't you ask Kurt Cobain? Why don't you ask Robin Williams? Ask Elvis Presley. Ask Amy Winehouse. Margot Hemingway. Marilyn Monroe. Anthony Bourdain. Why don't you ask all them? Did that satisfy? Obviously not. I Googled this morning movie stars who've taken their life, and man, the list went on and on and on and on. Why? Because God's the only one that can satisfy us. He's the only one that can bring us what our heart desires. Do you realize in the Garden of Eden, man was body, soul, and spirit. When he sinned, the spiritual connection got cut off, and we have an empty void in our heart. And people don't know how to identify what that is. And they try to stuff everything into it. Sex, pornography, materialism. And they can't satisfy themselves because that was made to be occupied by God. And once you get God, I mean, you don't... How many people do I have in the house say that you're satisfied, man? I'll tell you what. You don't need any other water to drink. You, you drink out of the well of salvation. And maybe you don't have everything the world has, but man, you are satisfied, Right? You still have temptation. You still have problems, but you're not looking for anything else because God is enough. Some people think that money, if I just have money, man, I could be happy. Ask Howard Hughes. 
Some people think if I could marry this knockout beautiful person, hello, ask Hollywood. They change spouses about as much as I change houses. And that's a lot. That's a lot. I mean, I, I'm betting on one right now or two Hollywood stars. They just got married and they're all over the, the pages of everything in love. They won't last three years. They'll be looking for somebody else. They're looking to scratch an itch. They don't even know how to do that. Now, let's look at two or three characteristics of this man of God. We'll see how much time we have. Number one, he was a man with a message. He had a message. And that message was clear and simple. Uh, and that message was, God is the only one who can get you where you want to go. He's the only one that can give you what you need to be successful in life. He's the only one that can give you authentic joy and peace and prosperity. And I use that word loosely, prosperity. Uh, if I had time, I'd explain it to you. But most of you go here and know what I mean. That doesn't mean boats and trains and that kind of stuff. But it gives you prosperity. That's another message for another time. Now, this, this message of God being enough is one we need to take out into the world. We take it out in the marketplace and let people know that our God is enough. We need to be sharing the stories of a God who's enough with everybody around us. We need to have God stories. We need to, to let people know that our God's providing for us. He's encouraging us. He's answering our prayer. He's talking to us. You say, well, Ron, wait a minute. You know, he might talk to you. God never talks to me. Oh, really? No, I never hear God. You're hearing him today because he's moving through this oaky Italian boy up here. He's moving through me to you. You say, really? Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dare you. I, 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 today, whatever you hear God say to you, go out and tell it to somebody else in the world. Make an appointment with him. Get a lunch with him or go get a Starbucks with him and say, you know what I heard at church yesterday? And when you start sharing what God's saying to you, he'll give you more things to share. I've seen that over the years. He's just waiting for you to share. It's the old dump truck analogy that we're supposed to get filled up with God words and, and revelations and, and God wisdom that we're to go dump it in the world. But God will never give you more stuff if you're not sharing the stuff you have. So you do hear God. You're going to hear him today. If you came to hear God, you will hear him. And you say, well, Ron, okay. You say, go out and tell people about answered prayers. You know, I'm really not having too many answered prayers. Well, let me ask you a question. Is what you're praying for, for your glory or for his? Maybe you need to answer that. You say, what? If you're praying for stuff that's for only your glory, it's probably not going to be answered. Prayer is a tool to get the kingdom of God business done. Now, sometimes the two intertwine. Look at James 4, 1 through 3 in the NIV. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so what do you do? You kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have simply because you do not ask God. And when you do ask Him, sometimes you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Look at the same passage in the Message Bible. Where do you think all of these appalling wars and quarrels come from? Do you think they just happen? Think again. They come about because you want your own way and you fight for it deep inside yourself. You lust for what you don't have and you're willing to get it. You're willing to kill to get it. 
You want what isn't yours, and you'll risk violence to get your hands on it. You wouldn't think of just asking God for it, would you? And why not? Because you know you'd be asking for what you have no right to. You're spoiled children, each wanting your own way. I'm telling you, listen to me closely. Sometimes what we desire coincides with what God desires. That happens very often. For example, if you're a a single mom and you're looking for a godly, righteous man to marry and settle down with, you know what? That's probably God's will too. And man, you're right on. You can ask for that with boldness saying, God, I want it for the right reason. I want a godly man to lead me in my life. Uh, if, If you're asking for a job, a better job, or you're asking for a raise so you can have more money and return give more money, then you know what? You're probably right in line with God's will. If you're asking for health so you can keep serving God, that's probably a right on request. If we have our priorities right, then we will have plenty of God stories, and our prayers will be answered. See, right now, I, I got a wrist I, I, I tore all the ligaments in my wrist bench pressing weights 20 years ago. They're all tore. And I went to the doctor the day, and I have bad carpal tunnel. And it was so funny because uh, I went in, they did, a, I think it was a nerve induction test or whatever. And so I'm in there, and the doctor said, okay, Ronnie, here, I'm going to let you see the screen. He said, here's the deal. He said, we're going to test the nerves, and when we get to number four, we should have a reaction. He got to 100 and had no reaction on me. And the lady in the next room, she was recording this. She says, doctor, are you seeing what's on the screen? He said, oh, me and Ronnie see it, all right. He's got some dead nerves in there. Well, I I read up on it, and somebody told me, you're probably going to have surgery, the new nerves put in. You'll be, you know, 10 months in recuperating. I said, I can't go 10 months. I'm having all these conferences at the ranch in different places, training pastors. I have to drive side-by-sides. I have to take notes. And so I said, God, you got a problem. You're going to have to heal it or do something. And I kept praying and praying and praying. And see, it never hurts to ask for, this would be a miracle. But it doesn't hurt to ask for miracles. Now, God does just awesome things all the time through the Spirit. But sometimes he actually does miracles. Remember when David's son lay on the ground dying, and he pleaded for God to to, to, to save him and not let him die. And then finally when he dies, he gets up and he says, you know what? I didn't know. While while he was still alive, I thought God might. And I was going to ask to see. He, he chose not to. Now I'll go see him someday, but I can't bring him back. But see that right frame of mind? I ask, and maybe. And so I even heard the doctor the day I went in, and he says, now we got something new. We might not have 10 months of recovery. We can do something little to you, and you'd be out a week or two. And I go, hey, I can do that. I can do that. Uh, so anyway, long story short, but why do I want? I've got two cancers that I've battled with over the decades. You know. Why do I want that gone? I want it gone, not for selfish reasons. I want it gone so I can keep ministering the Word of God. Again, listen, I've said this before, but Ronnie shall not die, but he shall live that he might proclaim the, the, the majesties and the miracles of God. Why? Ron Vietti shall not die, but he shall live that he might declare the miracles of God. I want healing for his glory, not mine. I mean, I'm, man, heaven is good. Heaven's great. Heaven's fantastic. I don't want to stick around any longer than I have to. But you know what? I've got to continue to declare to these pastors on the mount that God is still a miracle-working God. I have to still show them Christ. I've got a job to do. And so I'm praying according to God's glory. Uh, 1925, Russell Conwell made this idea famous called the snake line. And he said, you know what? He said, 
there's known to be a snake line where when you get up so high in elevation, poisonous vipers and snakes don't go that any higher than that because they can't live in that, that, that altitude. And so he said, we tried to build our churches and our houses and our schools above the snake line where the venomous snakes go. Well, I want to tell you something. We have a snake line right now in this world. And some of you are living at too low of a level with God. you got to get up to another level above the venomous snakes, above all the crapola you're living in. you got to take it up to a level where you, you, you abide in God every day and get into his word and confess his promises. See, some of you, you're living down there. You sing that country song that I have friends in low places, and you're still down there with them. You need to get out. You're still down there with the gamers and the scammers and the, and the pretty boys, and, and you need to get your life up another level. Can I hear you say amen to that? You need to get up a level that needs to start today. Mother's Day, for some of you women that, you know, you're not married yet, and you're looking for a guy. I'm going to give you uh, a, a, an old rhema that I've given for years, and that is, a man is not worth your tears, and the ones that are won't make you cry. Can I say that again? Uh, no, man, no man is worth your tears and the ones that are, they won't make you cry. Take that. You say, I heard that at church today. But look at Habakkuk 3, 17, 19. Though the fig tree does not bud, though, though there's no grape on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And I'll be joyful in God, my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength, and he makes my feet like the feet of a deer, and he enables me to tread on the heights. You know what he's saying there? My God, if I obey him and abide in him, he will put my life above the snake line. There's a lot of venomous snakes that are biting you because you're not taking it up to the level you should be taking it up. You get up there and you'll be above that level. You'll still have problems, all that, but not near as many as you're having now, I'm telling you. So we need to really, if nothing else you're hearing today, we need to sell out for God. Now, let's look at verse number two, or look at the second point. I'm sorry, look at the second point. Elijah not only was a man with a message, he walked in the Spirit. This is really why I want to keep you here today, and I'll probably end with this thought pretty much. He walked in the Spirit. We've got to learn how to walk in the Spirit. Do you not know, Paul said, that the Holy Spirit lives in you? And he said that because a lot of people don't know it. There's people in this building that has no clue the Holy Spirit lives within them. The Holy Spirit's in you. Get acquainted with Him. When you got saved, you asked God to come live in your body. You're nothing like the people of the world. You're a different creature. So what the Bible says, you're a new creature in Christ. God lives in you. You're going to think different thoughts than they think. You're going to have different moods than they have because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Say right now with me, the Holy Spirit's inside of me. If you've invited him, he is. Now, the Bible says if you walk in the Spirit, you won't carry out the desires of the flesh. The Bible says a lot about walking in the Spirit. Look at verses 2 through 4. The word of the Lord came to him. Now here, see, this guy's walking in the Spirit. I, I'm going to give you my opinion. I think the Lord's talking to him in the same way he talks to us. I don't think this is audible. Because he was a man just like us. 
It says, the word of the Lord came to him saying, go away from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. It shall be that you will drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. Say with me, there. He didn't say I provided for the ravens to, I did not command the ravens to provide for you here. He said, they're already there waiting. The provision's waiting over there. It's not here. It's time for you to move to where the provision is at. See, I want to tell you something. This is a little side note here. God said, I'm going to use ravens to provide for you. Did you know ravens were an unclean bird to the Jewish people? They were not kosher for the Jews. I mean, why didn't God, they weren't even supposed to be around a raven, not even near them. Why didn't God use a dove, a crane, a peacock, a pheasant? Those were clean birds. But God says, no, I want to get a lesson across here. And that is, I can use anything I want at any time I want to supply your needs. Don't get too picky. Don't get too picky. Over the years... I've had some of the most influential criminals in this area come in here and give money to the church. And I've had other pastors, when they hear about it, go, you know, I can't believe Pastor Ron, I heard he took money from so-and-so. They gave a, a lump sum to the church. Well, you know what? Cry all you want, baby. I'll take money anywhere it comes from. I'll take the devil's money and start spending it for God. That's what I'll do. You can give it. I'm not picky. If you don't want to take their money, send them over here. I'll take it. Isn't that great to take the devil's money and spend it for God? I mean, God has used some criminal people in this church over the years. One day when we were young, we had this family that went to our church. I won't say their name, obviously, but they had a reputation for decades in Bakersfield, being one of the meanest families that's ever been here. I mean, they were mean. They committed a lot of crimes. And so one day, I was really discouraged, and I needed encouragement. And I was walking out to my car, and here sat one of the members of this family, an older guy, and I vaguely knew who he was. He just got out of prison for murder. And he's sitting there and he says, Pastor Ron! I said, what? Come over here. Said, yes, sir. I'm on my way. <laughs> and I walked over and he said, I want to tell you something. I've been dying to tell you something. What's that? You know what I like about you? I said, well, it's not much. <laughs> he said, you're stupid, but you're honest. That's why my family comes to church here. He says, you know what? I, like to follow, I, I don't have to follow a smart man, but I want to follow an honest man. And you know what? That made my day. I didn't care if it came through a murderer guy. It didn't matter to me. And I sure wasn't going to argue with him, that's for sure. Uh, but God can use anybody he wants at any time he wants to meet your needs. Don't, don't be so picky. Uh, back to the idea in verse 2 through 4. God's blessings are contingent upon us being in the right place at the right time. Let me tell you something. Over the years, I've seen so many people set free when they come to VBF. They come from churches that don't preach the full gospel. Now listen to me. I'm not saying this is the only good church in Bakersfield. There's a lot of good churches in Bakersfield that are preaching the full gospel. But there's a lot of them that aren't. And when people come here, the blessings of God is waiting for them. And they go, what? You mean we can actually hear God's voice? Our church never taught us that. Oh, it's essential you hear God's voice and learn to hear his voice. His spirit lives within you. Uh, you mean 
prayer really works. I'd never heard my church give God stories about, oh, yeah, when you learn how to pray and, and you have to be taught, it works. Uh, you mean, I, come on, Ron, this is crazy. You say sometimes demons are causing my problems? I never heard that at the other church. Well, it's real. That, that world out there is very, very real. And I have authority over them? Yes, we'll teach you. You say, I've entered a whole new world. It's like when people hear this, the lights come on. Now, again, I'm not saying this is the only church that teaches this. There's a lot of them, but there's a lot of them that don't. So see, the blessings of God are waiting on you. If you get over to where God wants you to be, there are people today that God say, get over there. There's a lot of gifts with your name on them, but you've got to be in the right place to get them. I'm waiting for you. Now, listen to me closely. Let's look at verse 5 and 7. And I've I got to watch the clock because I don't want to abuse you on Mother's Day. Verse five and, uh, 5 and 7. I think, is that right? Sandy, you're following me back there. I think it's 5 and 7. So he went. God says, go over there. Now, the ravens are going to give you door service. They're, they're going to deliver sandwiches to you every day. Is that crazy or what? This is better than all those apps you get. You know what I mean? They're, they're bringing the sandwiches right to your house. So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. For he went and lived by the brook Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. The ravens brought him sandwiches, bread and meat in the morning, sandwiches in the evening, and he would drink from the brook. But it happened after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. What? The brook dried up. Even when you're smack dab in the center of God, things are going to dry up. Now I'm smack dab in the center of God. My marriage is going bad. My kids are going AWOL. I'm smack dab in the center of God. And my finances aren't good. You know why God allows that to happen? To bring you back to the altar. He doesn't want to fix everything in your life. He wants you at the altar. Because if you stop abiding, you're going to start losing. God wants to guide you by his spirit every day. And I'll say more about that in the end. But let's look at the next verses, 8 through 10. Okay, now, he's at, a, he's at a, a spot where he doesn't know what to do. What happens? He goes to the Lord, and the word of the Lord came to him again. You see how we live? We live this way, saying, Arise, go to Seraphath, which belongs to Sidon, and stay there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called to her and said, Please give me a little water in a jar that I may drink. Now, how did he know this was the right widow? I mean, it, it certainly didn't look like she was someone who could meet someone else's needs. She could barely meet her own. But you know what? This was a man with simple childlike faith. He says, God said a widow, there's a widow, and I don't have to look any further. And even if she isn't the right woman, God will make her the right woman because he's given me a promise. And so he... Uh, he knew God wouldn't play games with him. Plus, I will suggest he had a heart for God, and God was in his heart, and he resonated, this is the one. This is the one. Now, he served a God that could do anything, anything at all. And so he knew it doesn't matter the circumstances. See, as you walk with God, you've got to be careful you don't talk to yourself too much, but let God speak to you. He could have talked himself out of this miracle. But see, when you talk to yourself, you'll get wrong theology. You'll get your doctrines messed up. You've got to let God talk to you. 
He spent a lot of time with God. So, man, this guy's God-centered right now. And when you're walking with God and abiding with him, you just know certain things. He couldn't wait to get this thing going. Look at verse 11 through 16. And she was going to get it. He called her and said, please bring me a piece of bread in your hand. She said, as the Lord God lives, I have no bread, only a handful of flour in the bowl and a little oil in the jar. And behold, I'm gathering a few sticks that I may go in and prepare for me and my son that we may eat and die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go, do as you have said, but make me a little bread cake from it first and bring it out to me. And afterwards you may make one for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bowl of flour shall not be exhausted, nor shall the jar of oil be empty until the day the Lord sends rain on the face of the earth. So she went and did according to the word of Elijah. And she and her household ate for many days days. The bowl of flour was not exhausted, nor did the jar of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke through Elijah. Now, what he's doing here, he's not arrogant, he's not selfish, going, hey, you know what, give me some food first so my stomach's full, then you and your kid eat. No, it's a spiritual principle right here. What he was saying is, he says, you know what, I'm given, and he didn't say this, but as I look from the New Testament back, he was giving her the law of Matthew 6.33 that's in the New Testament. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else shall be added to you. See, for years, I could never speak about money. I never could. It was hard for me to speak about you people tithing and giving to the church because I know some of you are hurting so bad, and I just don't want to talk about it. But then something happened one day, and God began to speak to me. He said, it's not for your benefit you preach this. It's for their benefit. See, when you give this church, that doesn't do anything to my, doesn't go into my bank account. I get a salary, that's dead set. I don't get anything else. It goes to Teen Challenge. It goes to Crisis Pregnancy Center. It goes to pastors. So you have somebody two in the morning to come out when you're in a bad place. It goes to all the stuff we're giving your Sunday school kids for the grounds where you have cool air and nice chairs to sit in. That's where it goes. But you know what? When I preach finance, some of you need to start giving to God. Why? Because when you give to God, you're the recipient. You're the one that gets blessed. You're the one that gets touched. See, people, the last thing they'll give is money. That's, God, you have my whole heart. No, he doesn't. Because the wallet's the last thing he'll get. I'm telling you now. So anyway, there's verses to back this up. Uh, whatever you give to God, you get back. Uh, look at Malachi 3, 10, and 11. It says, bring the whole tithe of the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then when you do that, test me and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing on you that you won't even have room to store it. I will prevent the pest from devouring your crops. Now, it just insinuates that pests are getting our crops. And says, I'll, I'll, I'll prevent them. And the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it's ripe. He says, man, you put me first and see what happens. And I'm telling you, gang, I can prove this. My life is a living testimony. When you put God first, I'll tell you what, he'll put you first. My wife always said, you can't outgive God. See, some of us don't get it yet. Look, Luke 6, 38, amplified, okay. Give, and gifts will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour in to the pouch formed by the bosom of your robe that's used for a bag. For with the measure you deal out will be the measure that you'll get back. Now, 
Do you understand? God tries to tell us in his word. He says, God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, he'll reap. God said, you can count on the sow and reap law. It is, it is as sure as, 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 as the nighttime's going to come tonight. See, I'll tell you what. Listen to me closely. If you're going around cheating people, you're going to get cheated. Sorry, it's the way it works. If you're going around giving to others, others are going to give to you. If you go around blessing others, you'll get blessed. If you're going around praying for others, you'll have others praying for you. If you're going around being mean, you're going to be treated the same way. You men, the Bible even says that as you treat your wife, God will treat you. That's crazy. Some of you have all kinds of problems. It's because you're being mean to your wife. And God said, that's the way it's going to work. That's the way the system works. You can't avoid it. Now, I want to end by talking to you about walking in the Spirit. But I need you to understand three quick verses. Now, I'm looking. I'm trying to get through in 10 minutes. Now, you pray for me, all right? I need you to understand three verses real quick. The first one, you know very well, but I want you to look at it again. Proverbs 3, 1 through 6. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And he said already, they're not burdensome. God's commandments are not hard at all. For length of days and years of life. You know why I'm going to live quite a while? Because I'm keeping his commandments. That's a promise right there. And peace they will add to you. Now, when I say that, you all know I've battled with cancer, two cancers for years. I should be dead by now, but I'm claiming the Word of God. Remember, I got my little green card, and it says right here in my wallet that Ron Vietti gets to stay on the earth till his job's done. When his job's done, he's got to go home. Got to go home. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you'll find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Here it is. You know this verse. Trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? How much is all? A hundred percent. And then do not lean on your own understanding. Because your own understanding is going to be wrong a lot. In all your ways. Here's the key. In all your ways. You acknowledge him. And when you acknowledge him, he'll make your path straight. Look at the word acknowledge. In the Hebrew, yada. In all your ways, be acquainted with the way God works. Be aware when he shows up. Perceive those moments when God appears. Recognize those moments. See, a lot of you aren't. I, I, every day I get up looking for God, and I see him almost every week. And that's the reason my paths are straight, I think. I acknowledge him. Now, let's look a little bit further here. Uh, See, Elijah, his ways didn't always make sense. Read the Bible. I mean, an axe head falls off an axe, and he goes, cuts a piece of wood and throws it in the, and it, that, that doesn't make sense. You look. Now, a lot of times, your ways do make sense, and I'm not telling you to throw all logic out, but very often, God will tell you to do something that makes no sense. Haven't I been teaching you? Live connecting the dots. God's not going to show you the whole picture. Today, some of you are being told to do something, and God's not going to show you the next thing he wants you to do until you do the first one. Does that make sense? He's not going to give you bigger things if you're not faithful and smaller. He's saying to some of you, I want you to be more faithful to church. Start coming every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. Until you do that, you'll not see the next step. You've got to do what he's telling you to do. It's connecting the dots. Now, Elijah, I want you to see something here. He didn't see the big picture. 
He didn't see that God was setting him up to be used in such a big way that a whole nation would be changed. He didn't see that. He did not know that. It was all, though, dependent on him connecting the dots. Start following the Spirit step by step. God has such a great future for some of you, but you've never found it. You keep spinning your wheels because you're not connecting the dots. You're not doing what he told you to do. He's today, I've been telling you forever, I want you to get more faithful to church. If you don't do that, you will see the next dot. I've been telling you, start giving. Start giving. Until you do that, and I see I have your whole heart, I'm not going to give you the next dot. I've been telling you to forgive someone, and I've been telling you and telling you, and you're not listening to me. God wants to bless you. He wants to bless all of his kids. Again, I've said it before, he has a whole room of presents with your name on it, but he can't give them to you until you obey and do what he's telling you to do. Now, look at next, Philippians 2.13. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Look at the word will in the Greek. God is always working in you if you're born again. He's causing you to wish certain things that you never would have wished if he wasn't in you. He's causing you to desire certain things you never would have desired if he wasn't in you. He's causing you to choose to come to VBF. You, you didn't choose to come here. He put that desire in your heart today. You think, well, I just came for mom. No, you didn't. You came because someone prayed you in here. And he said he causes you to prefer certain things, to be inclined certain ways. It's going to become very important. Look at the last verse, Matthew 5 and 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall what? What? So whatever the pure in heart is, those people are going to be seeing God all the time. Huh. Let's look at the word pure in the Greek. It's unstained and genuine. That does not mean you're perfect. I'm telling you. I believe as I stand up here today with all my heart, I'm pure, I'm pure in heart. I've got nothing standing between me and God. Nothing at all. It's all out there, man. I got up this morning, confessed every sin I could think of, and I continue to do it. But this word means unstained. What it means is you're going to sin. We all sin. But we stay in a constant state of confession. And as soon as we do, he wipes the stain away. He keeps wiping it away. I mean, I've sinned two or three times this week. Uh, number one, it always happens to me. I, I have the hardest time on the freeways, man. Why do some of you people go 50 miles an hour in the fast lane? Get over. I like to go fast. I like to go very fast. You say, well, Christians don't go fast. If you don't look at your speedometer, nobody, you know, you're not faster than But listen to me. It's very important that we got to learn to see that we got, what we got to learn to see is that I forgot what I was saying. Let me go back. That's what we got to learn to see. Uh, back in the biblical days, see what they would do? They would have street vendors. And very often, these guys were crooks. They were scammers. And it was a, a known thing that they would sell blankets that were stained or ripped. And they would fold them in such a way, they'd flip it and show you, but they wouldn't show you the stain or the rip until you bought it and got home and unfolded the whole thing. We're to live in, in life in such a way that we're unfolded. And we go, what you see is what you get. I'm not hiding anything. I mean, I got mad this week, man. I told a guy off at, at our Vegas campus. He wrote me and got me so angry. 
I had to repent because I got two bat mud on it. But you know what, Pastor? I'm leaving this church. He's because they're allowing a guy to come in in a dress. And that guy's coming here in a dress. And you're becoming a woke church. And what about our children? You know, man, you're not moving on it. And I wrote him back and I said, you know what, dude? Hold on to your ponies for a second. What do you want to do? Start putting ushers at the door? Then in Vegas, we check every prostitute. Stripper comes in to make sure they pass a dress code. If they don't, we send them out. Do you ever read the verse that Jesus said, I came for those who were sick? These people, a lot of them are sick. Where are they going to hear the good news if we don't let them in here? And I said, furthermore, that's such a bad example to your kids. You don't think they see more on the cable channels you have on TV at home? And secondly, don't think for a moment that that's not a good time to teach our kids that these people are sick and they're in need and we want to show them the love of Christ. And so I, I flat dove into him. Afterwards, I had to confess. I need to probably confess to him, but I don't know if I'm going that far. Uh, now, here, here's some ending right here. I want to share just five things that happened to me this week. I want you to see how this is modeled in real life. Now, I'm not being braggadocia. I'm not. Please don't see that. See, I have a feel. I have to use myself as an example a lot because if it's not working for me, why should I think it should work for you? Is that right? I mean, come on, i got to show you this is working for me. I'm not up here trying to make a paycheck. I don't care about that. When I get excited up here, it's because I'm excited about him. Now, now here's five things that happened to me this week. We were on our way to Twin Oaks to the men's conference, to the pastor's conference, and Tom and I were driving together. We were praying about, the men were all waiting for us at the ranch. We stayed all night down here, and we saw a car broken down in the canyon. It looked like two women. And they didn't flag us down or anything. We went by and we thought, oh no, we're Christians. We're probably supposed to stop. I said, Tom, let's pray right now. And I felt God say to me, do not stop. You got a much bigger thing ahead of you than this right here. You pray, because there's a lot of men traveling this canyon right now that would love to help them. And right away we saw three trucks full of men, one stop to help. You could see in the back. But God said, no, no, no. I want you focused on those pastors. They represent thousands of people. I do not want your mind anywhere else today. Now see, right, right away, you trust in the Lord and don't lean to your own understanding. Because I thought as a good Christian, I had to stop. No, no way. In this particular case, God said, I got something else for you. That job is for someone else. Didn't Jesus even delay coming to Lazarus? He said, I'm not coming right away. Because the Father said not to come. The second, and that's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 right there modeled. Then secondly, we went up to the ranch, and uh, I got quite the reputation for driving side-by-sides. It's not a good one. Uh, I scared our security team to death when they were up there training. And then when Vegas came, I went up on two wheels and almost turned one over. And uh, I don't know if Vince, we can pull that picture up after. Maybe you have it but uh, in the back. But... but I tried to convince these guys, I know I have a reputation to be a reckless driver, because I'm, I'm, I'm the little old man from Pasadena, and uh, I said, you guys are safe with me, you're safe. And I said, you know what, honestly, I will not hurt you. Well, I got to go and I got in the thing, and there's a two-mile drop-off or a mile, man, it's crazy, and we're going up the hill, and I turned it over with pastors from Texas, Arizona, everything. Vince, do you have that picture by any chance? I don't know if you have it or not, but... Uh, we rolled that thing, and lucky no one was hurt. And boy, I was just thanking God. 
Now, I called home to talk to my wife to see how she was doing. I said, how's your day going? And she said, you know, I had a great day, Ron. You were gone. I got to shop all day. <laughs> and she said, but something really weird happened. I said, what's that? Really weird. She said, right around 2 o'clock, I started having these weird thoughts. What if my husband goes up there and gets in a wreck or something and dies and never comes home? She said, I just, I, I start panicking. And I start praying, praying. I said, Debbie, Debbie, you got to tell me what time that was. She said, it was right around 2 o'clock, give or take 5. We crashed at 157. 157. Now, you know what's crazy about that? Is that God put that desire in Because we walk in the Spirit. We might have died or got hurt really bad. It's a miracle we didn't. But I believe it's because we walk in the Spirit. One of the pastors was in the conference, and he said, Pastor Ron, I've got this one problem. And if I could just get rid of this one problem, man, you know what? I could be a giant for God. This one thing, i got to get rid of it. And God spoke to me right on the spot. And I said, you know what? He doesn't want to take that away. I could pray for you right now, but God doesn't want to take it away because he wants to keep you at the altar every day of your life. He wants to keep you there, and that's going to keep you there. And slowly it'll dissipate, but every day when you go to the altar and abide in God, he'll give you the strength for that day. His blessings are new every day. He wants to keep you at the altar. And then I got other ones. You know, I'm looking for God all the time. I was out walking the other day, and I, I, sometimes I go maybe to a park or I might go to my neighborhood. Sometimes I might go to the mall. I go different places. And I was walking around, and I saw a sister. And I'm always looking for God. And I said, God, if you want me to give that lady a word, I just, just bring her. I'm fixed to leave in three minutes here. And I don't even know where she's at in this big place. But if, if you right now bring her around, the minute I said that, here she came to my face. And I sat there and prayed for her. And man, it was a cool time. I said, man, the devil's lying to you on and on and on. I went in someplace else. This lady had a big jug of water. And I said, man, that's a big jug. It's water. I'm told to drink three glasses every day. You're going to have to go sit down, ma'am. Thank you. You can come up in just a few minutes, sweetheart. Just a few minutes, you can come up, and we'll pray for you. But I'm going to end right here. And so, anyway, long story short, when I saw it, I knew God was reminding me of what promise he gave me. I can go on and on and on. The idea is walk in the Spirit. And you won't care. You can be an Elijah. Elijah had a, had a nature just like ours. How do we walk in the Spirit? Let me just read them off. There's some rules. Number one, the number one rule is this, when we walk in the Spirit. When you feel in you something overwhelming, and you feel like maybe it's God talking to you, the first thing you ask yourself, is it in accordance with something I've been hear, already hearing from God? And if it is, it's probably God. The second rule is this. Does it resonate with my spirit? The Holy Spirit's in us. When he wants to say something to us, we go, oh, I know that I know that I know. This is God. I know it's God. Number three, is it something that will bring God glory? If you do what the Holy Spirit's saying to you do right now, will it bring God glory? Will it bring a testimony? And number four, does it line up with Scripture? Is what you feel the Lord's telling you to do, does it line up with the written word? If those four rules, any of them or all of them are true, you're probably hearing God. Now, the clock says I'm out. You have to pray for me. I'm just a little long-winded. I'm sorry. I get fired up. And if you would have saw me this morning, after speaking six times this week, I got up and I go, God, I don't have a sermon. In fact, last night I told God, I have nothing to say to those people tomorrow. But I said, for 50 years, you've been faithful 
every single week and you will be faithful again. And I got up this morning and laid on my face and I said, God, give me something to say. It's all about him. It's all about the Holy Spirit. I'm going to say something to you. It's Mother's Day. If you don't hear another thing I say, listen this closely. Love the people God gave you because he will need them back one day. Love those mothers God has given you because someday he wants them back. Love those kids God has given you because someday he wants them back. We belong to him. We're just on this earth for a while. But Elijah had a nature just like Ron Vietti. He had a nature just like Esteban. He wasn't no herald. He had a nature like yours. He wasn't some super saint, but he learned how to tap into God. And I'm learning. There's not hardly a week that I am not blessed because I've learned to listen. I've learned to look for him. Do you expect to see him? Tomorrow, do you expect to see him in your day? If you expect to see him, you'll probably see him. If you're here and you've never given your life to God, today's the day. Some of you moms could give your kids the best present they've ever gotten in their life by giving your life to God. And some of you kids could give your mom the best present she's ever had by giving your life to God. Dad's the same thing. I'm telling you, gang, I'm not pulling your leg. When you give your life to God and the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you, everything, it's a game changer. You start hearing things. You start seeing things. You start feeling things. Unbelievable. If you're here right now, just bow our heads, give some people privacy, and all you Christians praying. And if you're here, and I'm not going to ask you to go to the back. I'm not going to ask you to get out of your seat. If you're here today, say, Pastor Ron, I'm dead serious. I want to change my life. I'm on a dead-end street. I want God in my life. Would you lift your hand up very boldly and unashamedly? Lift it up. God will see it. Lift it up. Lift it up. Yellow's hands are going up. Lift them up. Lift them up. God will see it. You're making a commitment right now to God. One away in the back, back there, all over. There's about 15, 25 hands going up. And I want everybody in the house to pray with me. Say, God, today I give you my life. I don't want it anymore. I ask that you send the Holy Spirit and come and live in my body. Take my life. Begin to guide me. Begin to lead me. Make me into one of your children. By faith, I receive the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to choose to believe that when I leave here, I'm not the same person that came. I'm going home with God in my body. Let the journey begin. I'm now God's kid. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys have a great Mother's Day and be careful out there. God bless. Thank you for listening. We pray that this message has ministered to your heart. If you don't already have a church you call home, we invite you to join us at Valley Bible Fellowship for worship, Bible study, fellowship, and more. We're at 2300 East Brundage Lane in Bakersfield, California, near Mount Vernon and Freeway 58. Reach us by phone at 661-325-2251 or visit our website at vbf.org.
Yeah.